You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. I was 12 years old when the, the Supreme Court made the decision for Roe v. Wade. Uh, I'll let you figure out right one was Roe v. Wade and figure out how old I am, and I'll let you uh, figure that out or Google that on your, on your own here. But at the time, I remember just being amazed that, that anyone could make such a decision, that, that abortion could be a legal thing, and that, and that it was okay, this is what they were saying, it was possible. See, I, I, my, I grew up in a uh, family of Christ followers. In fact, my dad was a pastor. And so I was raised to believe that God is the creator of all life, and he values life. No matter the age, no matter the stage of development, no matter the color of the skin or anything else, God valued life. And so the idea that someone could choose to abort their baby was beyond my understanding. Um, you know, in my 12-year-old mind, you know, the image of a person who would make such a decision was someone who was morally loose, um, reckless in their behavior, even they had a careless, even flippant disregard for life. That in my mind at the time, that's what I envisioned or that's what I, how I perceived uh, such a person. However, as I got older, I realized that things weren't quite that simple. While people like the one I just described, you know, morally loose and flippant about life, and maybe, you know, so while I'm sure they do exist, I've also come to learn that the person who does get an abortion is often alone. No support from the father, no support from any other family members. They're by themselves, and they don't know what to do. They're often overwhelmed with fear of the future. Everything they had been planning, everything they thought about their life, everything they thought was down the road has just changed. Everything. And they're overwhelmed with that emotion. And, and especially if they're single, how is it they're going to be able to afford you know, as a single parent, how can they afford having a child? And, and there's all those emotions going on there. And, and also, because of technology today, doctors can now tell if a baby will be born with certain disabilities while it's still in the womb. The idea of raising a child with disabilities can be overwhelming, even for a married couple. So added to all of this, unlike in 1973, which is when Roe v. Wade happened, so now you can do your math. We live in a culture that does not think twice about aborting a baby. Uh, Some of you know Betsy works on the Cornelius campus, and for years she has led a Wednesday night Bible study. And the the session just ended uh, here, uh, actually probably ended in early June. Um, There's a woman in her group uh, who's pregnant, and she's decided to stop going to see her doctor because the doctor, or somewhere along the way, they did tests, and they said, we think your baby has, is going to have some, some disabilities. I, don't, I can't recall exactly what they were, but the doctor, every time she goes to visit, this doctor says, you should get an abortion, is encouraging her to get an abortion every time. She, she says, I'm not going to see this doctor anymore. Um, that's the culture and environment in which we live. So I understand that um, there's a lot wrapped up in this for people. And over the course of my life, I've come to learn that there's a number of reasons why someone would choose to get an abortion. Even so, here's what I believe. 
I believe that elective abortion unjustly takes the life of an innocent human being and is a violation of God's word and God's ways. Every baby is made in God's image and in God's likeness. So I understand the emotions behind it. I understand the challenge. I understand the difficulties. I do. I get that. And I, I, I can sympathize with that. But that doesn't change the fact of what God tells us about the value of life and how we should approach life as well. Genesis 1 tells us that every person is made in the image of God. Every person. Every person is made in the image of God. So as Christ followers, the Bible is essential to our faith. That's the primary means through which God has chosen to reveal himself. It's through scripture we get to see who God is and how he relates to his, us, his creation. The Bible also provides guidance for how, we to, how to live life in a way that honors God. So, what does the Bible then tell us about abortion? Well, as a matter of fact, it doesn't mention abortion. At least not specifically. Even though abortion, infanticide, and child abandonment were permitted under Roman law in the time of Jesus, abortion as a practice is not addressed specifically, it's not specifically mentioned in the Bible. Therefore, our understanding about abortion, the position we've taken, comes from a broader understanding of Scripture as we look at broader topics and broader issues and and broader understanding of who God is and how He wants us to live. So, what does the Bible then have to say about that? Well, before I walk us down that path, I do do want to, I feel like I, I need to say this. I'm really well aware that's possible that there may be someone here today who has had an abortion in their past. And while we think abortion is wrong, we also serve a God of love and mercy and grace. Thus, I think it is important that we understand a couple things about this. One of the things is that abortion is not the unpardonable sin. Time and again in Scripture, we see that when people do wrong and they sin, God forgives them if they ask for forgiveness, if they repent. And, and not only does he forgive them, he does not hold against them the, their, their offense. They're free before God. I love how in uh, 1 John 1, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we, are, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us. You... So that's one. Abortion is not the unpardonable. It's not the unforgivable sin. Secondly, I think it's important to realize that you don't have to carry guilt and shame of your past, of anything, let alone abortion, not just abortion. Not only are we free before God when we repent, we're also made clean. Listen to the words of David in Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. You hear that? He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, it's interesting when you read that. You know, you ever wonder why? It's, it's a, it's, our sins are as far as the east is from the west. 
why is it that he didn't say the north from the south? Why the east and the west? You ever thought about that? An explanation I heard I thought was interesting is that the earth does have two poles. And if you're going north, you're going north, but as soon as you cross that pole, you're now going a different direction. You're going south. We don't have that going east and west. There is no end. You just continue to go west. It's not, you don't come to a certain point and you're going west and all of a sudden, all right, now I'm going east again. You just continue to go all, to that way, all the way around. And so basically what it's saying here is that there is no limit. There is no extent. There is no end to God's forgiveness for us. Now, this was written by King David. This was the guy who committed adultery with a married woman, had her husband killed, and then conspired to cover it up. But yet, well, if you're familiar with the story, you know that when it was exposed, he repented before God. And it was a genuine, sincere repentance. We read as the story progressed that there was a number of things that David realized and, and heartfelt repentance and confession of his guilt. But yet he comes to a place like Psalm 103 where he realizes because of that, the depth that he realizes the, the, the prevalence of God's love and grace and mercy. Romans 8 tells us that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. If we are clean, we do not need to carry guilt and shame in our past. In fact, your past could actually minister to someone else. Whenever we're faced with a potentially life-changing crisis, we often feel as if we're all alone. You ever been there? Something's changed and like, all, and this feeling is that no one has ever been through this before. No one understands what I'm feeling. No one gets what, what's happening in my life. And then we encounter someone who says, yeah, I know, I've been there. I had that same experience. What that does to us inside, it, it all of a sudden, it gives us hope. Somebody understands, somebody gets it. And look at there, they've recovered their, their ma- maybe there's hope for me as well. So it is possible that if this is part of your past, your story of forgiveness, of redemption, could encourage and be helpful to someone else. So I just wanted to lay that groundwork about that. If that is in your past, as we're moving forward, I just want to make sure we establish what that looks like or what that might look like for you. So what does the Bible tell us then about God and how we should think about abortion? Now, some of you um, realize if uh, we don't have worship guides, but you do have the Grace app. Uh, We we actually made this easy for you to figure out how to actually get it. Um, So you can actually get that. The outlines are there. All the worship guides, announcements and things are there as well. And so we want to encourage you to do that uh, just so there's touchless means of communication. Um, also, within your outline, there's a number of verses that are given as reference points. I'm not necessarily going to refer to each one. So I'm giving you the heads up. If you're like me, it's like, wait a minute, you skipped one. Well, it's on purpose. So, okay. <laughs> as long as I know it's on purpose, I'm okay. But uh, it's like, wait, how could you forget? <laughs> All right, so what does the Bible tell us? What can we infer uh, from the Bible about this idea of abortion? I think the first thing we can say is that God is just and he has called us to stand for justice. God is always, always on the side of the weak and the oppressed. Those who are not able to help themselves, and in the matter of abortion, the unborn baby does not have a voice. 
We must stand on their behalf. Each year, Grace Covenant um, joins with um, Love Life Charlotte. Um, it's a nonprofit organization uh, in Charlotte that does stand for the unborn. And uh, this is our week. Um, if you haven't uh, gathered that already, I think you may have received an email from Pastor Farrell earlier this week. Um, but it's, it's our week of working with this organization. We work with them um, because we think they're effective, because it's largely rooted in prayer. Um, and I'm talking a little bit more about that in a second. Uh, but it's effective as well. In the, four and a half year, in the past four and a half years, 2,092 babies have been saved from abortion. 2,092 women have gone to a clinic, engaged in a conversation with some of the other people, changed their mind, and uh, babies are alive today. 2,092. So we think this, it's an effective group and organization. So this involves a couple things that allow, we would encourage you to consider participating in. One is just a week of prayer and fasting. And so however that might look for you, um, we encourage you to, to, to engage that. Um, specifically Wednesday at noon on our Cornelius campus is, gonna, is a one-hour prayer time. We're going to do it corporately. Um, it'll be distance and, you know, the mass and, the, you know, the whole thing. But um, it's a chance for us to gather in, in a large room to be able to pray together. And um, that'll be Wednesday at noon in the Cornelius campus. And then this coming Saturday... Uh, down in Charlotte on Latrobe Avenue, there's um, one of the largest abortion clinics uh, in the southeast, not just in Charlotte, in the whole southeast region here of the U.S., um, one of the busiest. And there's actually a, a, a prayer walk. It uh, go, lasts for an hour, um, and it's a chance for us to pray together as the church. And there's other groups as well there, but it's largely a Grace Covenant day. And from all three campuses, we're there, and it's a chance to, to pray. And so I do want to encourage you to consider being a part of that as well. Um, I do want to emphasize it's a prayer walk. It's not a demonstration. Um, you know, and so sometimes people get a little uneasy about, you know, what's, especially in these days, things get crazy. This is not that. Um, this is, it's very peaceful. It's very, it's, it's a directive-led prayer walk. Um, but I just want to provide an opportunity for us to engage this a little bit more than just thinking about it from the comfort of our homes. Um, so again, there's more information. Uh, there's a table out there that has information on it. I understand there's a, a QR code as well. If you want to actually get more information, you can get it that way as well about uh, Love Life Charlotte uh, here in, in our area. So God is just, and he has called us to stand for justice. Another thing we can learn from the Bible is that God calls us to choose life. I would suggest there's more than one way to stand for life. Uh, I want you to watch this video we've got of a Grace Covenant family and how they've engaged this issue uh, from their standpoint. One day... Um we had a girl that said, would you adopt my child? And I, and I said, yes. And I had never mm-hmm. thought of adoption. Mm-hmm. In the times that I had, I thought I couldn't do it or we couldn't do it. So we just started praying. We got a phone call from one of our friends. She's a doula. And so she said, um, we have a, a mom who's looking for adoptive parents. 
So we started speaking, and over the next um, seven weeks, we became very close and um, built a relationship. She had had multiple um, abortions and that hurt and pain from it, but she had told the Lord that she never wanted to do that again. Mm-hmm. And um, through that, the night that he was born, um, she received the Lord. Mm-hmm. So she was adopted into his kingdom when we adopted him. We were serving one morning. We were at one of the prayer walks, and I went over and I checked the box. Once I checked the box, it was for us to make that next step and start our journey. We're we're starting MAP classes uh, just recently, and within four months, we're expecting another miracle to be in our home. It's been really fun. Our boys have been praying for not just one, but possibly siblings, like more. They want a big family. You know, Tyler one day, he said, um, Mom, they can take their babies to the hospital. Like, we were, we were brought home from the hospital. <laughs> so he, you know, from just a childlike mind, you know, for them it's so simple. That's how, that's how they were given a home. And so we love to see their faith and how it's growing. My prayer is, is that the light is shown on just what an amazing journey it is. And once we experienced it, we want to continue doing it as much as possible. I love that. I don't know if you caught it, but they actually got involved in this path by actually attending one of the prayer walks and just felt God stirring something in their heart. Um, (laughs) So be open, um, I guess, to it. And I would would say that in any regard to what God might be saying, not just in this particular uh, topic or issue. But uh, um, but there's more than one way to choose life. And they've chosen to actually engage this way on the, on the adoption, foster care, and you know, to support moms who are making this decision. Incredibly important to let these um, women know that they have options. There are other options that are available to them. So the Bible also tells us, um, the third thing I think is important for us to realize about Scripture is the Bible tells us that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. In support of abortion, some have made the philosophical argument that life does not begin until birth, until the first breath is drawn. We can philosophize all we want. The fact remains that blood is shed during an abortion. Proverbs 6 tells us, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. No one can be more innocent than an unborn baby. So that idea also informs our understanding of abortion. Lastly, the Bible tells us that God is the creator of life and he values every life. King David captured this in one of his Psalms. Reflecting on God's love, he wrote this in Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. 
thought that was so cool for David to understand God and God's love for him in such a way, to such a deep, um, a deep manner. So our position on abortion is informed by our understanding of God as revealed in the Bible. Four things we've looked at here this morning is that God is the creator of life and he values every life. God hates the shedding of innocent blood. God calls us to choose life and God is just and he has called us to stand for justice. So what do we do? So how do we respond as Christ followers to our understanding of scripture with regard to this issue? I think one of the things we, we respond to is to, to always speak truth with love and grace. Truth means that we, it's okay to share a contrary and opposing view. One that we believe is supported by Scripture. But it also needs to be done with love and grace towards them. Because even the people, sometimes we forget that the people we might be talking to are also made in the image of God. And are deserving of His grace and mercy as well. Another thing we can do is pray consistently for those who would be considering abortion. Again, there's so many circumstances that would cause someone to make that choice. How can we pray that those circumstances would change for them? And lastly, I think we can become informed and engaged in standing for the sanctity of life. Uh, so again, there's some uh, handouts there at the table in the gathering place. If you want to use the QR code, you can download that uh, to your phone. Um, engage the prayer walk uh, this Saturday. I would really encourage you. If you haven't done that before, I encourage you to do that. Uh, let me know if you're actually wanting to go. Maybe we can work out a carpool uh, so we don't all have to drive down, uh, down separately. Uh, but perhaps we could actually work out something together. So let me know if you have an interest in, in going and participating in that. So it's 9 o'clock uh, next Saturday morning uh, is when it actually begins. We'd have to leave before that in order to get down there in time. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so very grateful for your word. And uh, Father, that it allows us to understand uh, what can be very seemingly complex, certainly very emotional issues like this one of abortion. Uh, God, I understand that for many, there's, there's just a lot wrapped up in, in this. But at, this, at the very core, Lord God, it's very simple, um, or can be very simple, in that you, you have given life. You're a life giver, not a life taker. So, Father, I pray and ask that may our hearts reflect yours. May our hearts be full of care and compassion for those who need justice. Uh, Father, may we be aware of and may, may we be discontent to do nothing. And, Father, I ask and pray for courage and boldness to stand for what is right against all injustice that we might encounter, that we might see. And Father, may we also experience grace and freedom. If there's things in our past that uh, we wish weren't there, that, Lord, that carry the weight of sin and guilt, and Lord, may we be free of that today. So Father, I just ask that you would continue to work in our hearts, in our lives, as you desire. Lord, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. Father, there's failures in our past. I'm so very grateful that first and foremost, Lord, that uh, you don't hold those against us. 
You, they are, you, when we repent and come before you with open hearts, Lord, you, you remove them from us as far as the east is from the west, which means there's no limit. They're gone. They're no, they exist no more. Father, may we find peace in that this day. And may that give us courage and boldness to be able to share with others as well. So Lord, we continue to put our lives into your hands to trust you for all things, not just our provision, Lord, also for the relationships and for the paths our lives might take. So Father, in Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.